All right, well, we're going to be in the book of Zechariah tonight. Um, it's going to be a little bit different tonight because we are um, we did chapter four last week and it was awesome. Uh, it was it was so full of stuff that I had to stop and do it again. Uh, so we're going to kind of go through. We're not going to go through the whole chapter again, but we're going to look at the next level of of application uh, kind of underneath the level that we looked at last week. So last week we looked at how this um, uh, this whole vision was basically describing um, how God works in our lives. And uh, and this week we're going to look at the next level, uh, which is this vision as a picture of the word of God. Totally different, but on another level of interpretation, probably just as real and probably twice as amazing. I seriously had my mind blown when I was studying this week. And I know last week we had lots of comments that it, that it was very helpful and, and uh, just was a huge blessing. I think this, this week may be just as much of a blessing to you guys. So I'm very excited. So let's go ahead and, and pray and see what the Lord has for us. Jesus, we... Uh, love you, God, we love your word, and we pray, Jesus, that you would uh, just give us something special tonight to hang on to. Uh, even if it's just one of the things that we uh, are look at, God, I just pray that it would, it would really bless us, Lord. It would change the way we wake up every morning and think about you. And Jesus, we ask uh, just be, to be able to live in the place of spiritual blessings uh, to be able to understand all the things that you've given to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so today's message is called Types That Rock uh, because we are going to be looking at rock and uh, what the Bible has to say about rock. So uh, our text for today is in Zechariah chapter uh, 3 and 4, but we're going we're gonna to look at a couple of the things that we've already seen. So in chapter 3, verse 9, he said, uh, Behold... Uh, for behold, the stone uh, that I have laid before Joshua and upon the stone are seven eyes. And behold, I will engrave its inscription, says the Lord, and I will remove the iniquity of the land in one day. Now skip over to chapter four and in verse seven, we see some more stones. And he says, who are you, O great mountain? Uh, before Zerubbabel, you should become a plain and he shall bring forth the capstone, the capstone. Uh, with shouts of grace, grace to it. And moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it, and you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line. And the word plumb line, and we're just going to stop right there, that word plumb line it literally is dividing stone. In the Hebrew, okay, so it's a stone of dividing or stone of division, okay? That's going to be important as we look at this in a minute. Uh, so the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel, and they are, these seven are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Okay, so what we're going to see today is we're going to see rock, the, ro- these rock, this stone, we're going to see three types of, of the stone, or basically the stone representing three things, and it's going to be three different levels or layers of 
type, type, uh, types or symbols in the Bible. So it's, you have like one symbol and then you, you ever seen those uh, those children's books where you, you move the page and, and, and part of it like reveals something else. And there's like another level and it's like, oh, that's what I was looking at. Oh, but you changed the page and then there's something totally different on the bottom because you can kind of see the whole picture. Well, that's kind of how this is right here. We have three different uh, types of. Of the stone. And the first one is going to be the rock is Jesus. And the second level we're going to look at is the rock is the Word of God. And then the third, well, actually, that'll be the third one. The second one is the rock is the church. Okay? So Jesus, the church, and then the Word of God right underneath that. And this is going to blow your minds. Okay? So I'm just telling you right now it's going to be deep, it's going to be exciting. And so you guys ready to buckle in, get your notes ready, because we're going to look at a lot of scriptures tonight. Um, and I'm going to read them to you. And so it may be best instead of turning to them to just write, jot it down and look at it later or listen to the podcast because we have a podcast now. So make sure you're dialed in on iTunes to the podcast for White Flag Calvary or, you know, go on the website and listen to it because it, it's going to be um, a great study. So what we see is these these symbols overlap. And that the stone will simultaneously represent Christ, the church, and, the, and the, his word all at the same time. And it's just going to blow your mind, okay? Just warning you. And so the kind of the lesson for us tonight, where I'm going to start out with the kind of the, the hammer lesson that's usually at the end of the Bible study, that, that, you know, it's free at the end. Well, you're getting it at the beginning now. So here's the lesson. We are in him only if his word abides in us. So it's kind of like this Trinity thing of, of Jesus. His church is in him only if his word abides in the church. Do you kind of see that level thing happening? You have Jesus and the church is in him and the word in the church. Okay? So that's kind of the idea that we're, we're, we're building this foundation on. So... Uh, there's this crazy, crazy, unbelievable oneness between the church, Jesus, and God's word. It's, it's, it's going to blow your mind how much, how one these three things are in the word. So let's look at the Messiah as the rock, Jesus, our Christ, as the rock. It says, uh, or, you know, so first we see that Jesus is the cornerstone. We saw here that Zerubbabel was going to bring forth the, the foundation or the cornerstone. And in Psalm 118.22, it says, The stone which the builders has rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That means, uh, and also in verse 26 of Psalm 118, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you in the house of the Lord. So Jesus came in the name of the Lord and he came as the chief cornerstone. But he was rejected by the people when he came into the world. So he was rejected. So this was fulfilled when Jesus came onto the world, into the world. He was the chief cornerstone. That's when you're building a building, you have one big rock that you use, or this is how they did it back in the day, that was the foundation stone or the cornerstone. It was what started the building. So he was the beginning there, okay? Now... Transition in your mind a little bit, and we're going to look in uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verse 6. He says, Behold, I will stand before you there on, on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, or the stone, and water will come out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of all Israel. 
So let me tell you this story, okay? There's a reason why we went to this stone now. We backed up all the way. So we had Jesus, we're told in Psalms, he's the chief cornerstone. Now we have Jesus, or we have this rock that Moses was told to strike with a stick, and it would produce water. And so let me tell you the story. The children of Israel had just marched out of the land of Egypt. God had done a miraculous work in saving them. You know, that Moses was called. He was leading the people. The people were complaining. Uh, they were all frustrated because they were hot and thirsty. And so they're, uh, so they're like, Moses, are you going to give us water? And he's like, okay, go to the Lord. And the Lord said this. Just here's a rock. Hit the rock. Uh, if you go on Google Maps today, you can actually see this rock over in Saudi Arabia. And there's pictures of the split rock at Horeb. It's pretty amazing to see. Uh, and so there's this rock that goes, like, goes up and split right in two. And then right below it is tons of river-washed rocks below it. Like they're, they've been washed smooth. And you can't go there because Saudi Arabia has fences and armed guards and all kinds of stuff around it. But people have snuck in and take pictures. And you can see it from satellite view on Google Earth. It's pretty cool. Uh, so just look up Jebel Allah's on Google Earth. Blow your mind with all the pictures people have on there. So um, this rock, though, is there. And Moses was told just to strike it. But Moses got frustrated and the people kept complaining and saying, give us water, give us water, give us water. And Moses hit the rock a second time. He smacked it twice. And God said, Moses, we need to have a little discussion. And he took him away and he said, Moses, I'm really disappointed in you because this rock was a picture, a type of Jesus who was supposed to be smitten once or hit once or crucified once. And then all you had to do, he told the people, all they would have to do is speak to the rock and water would come out. And so it broke the type, it broke the picture that God was going for with this rock when Moses hit it twice. And as a punishment, Moses wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. But it all fit uh, the types and, and pictures that we see with Moses anyway. So you have this rock here. Now get this, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this is amazing. It says, Moreover, brethren, in chapter 10, verse 1, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, which, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, that wa- and that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. That, that's an amazing statement. They're saying this rock was Christ. So you have here Jesus as typified, pictured as this rock. It was, it's amazing, okay? So Christ Jesus is still the rock from which the Holy Spirit, the living water, and the word of God, the living water, flow freely to refresh our hearts and souls. Okay, so we're developing this picture of Jesus as this rock, all right? And then in 1 Samuel 2.2, it says, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none besides thee, neither is there any rock like our God. All right. So David and Samuel, he's he, he, or Samuel, he's he's praising the Lord and he's like, there's no he calls him a rock. All right. Then in Isaiah, chapter 26, verse three, and I'll read it in the New Living Translation, it says, you will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always for the Lord God is the eternal rock, the eternal rock. All right, I'm going to read this in several other translations so you kind of 
because it's going to click with you. In the NIV, it says, trust in the Lord forever for the Lord. The Lord himself is the rock eternal in the NASB. Trust in the Lord forever for the God is the Lord. And we have an everlasting rock. And in the Young's literal translation, he says, trust ye in Jehovah forever for in Jah Jehovah is a rock of ages. A rock of ages. That means all throughout the ages, Jesus doesn't change. He is a rock that never changes, okay? He's solid. He can be trusted. He's a good foundation. We're developing this picture of Jesus. We're just laying the foundation. So this type represents the Lord Jesus in his strength and permanency. Uh, Those of every age may trust in him. People who are of any age from youth to the aged may safely put their trust in him, for he is unchanging uh, in a changing world. All right? So... Then we have the Psalms. And if, as you're reading the Psalms, you'll see many times where David or, the, or any of the psalmists will call God a rock. And you'll say in Psalm 89, he shall, uh, he shall cry to me, you are my father, my God, the rock of my salvation. The rock of my salvation. In Psalm 28, um, I will t- I will, to you I will cry, O Lord, my rock. O Lord, my rock. And then in Psalm 95, O come, let us sing to the Lord and shout shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. And then this gets even deeper. The Lord, the Bible really likes this picture of the rock. Okay, you have it in Daniel chapter two. You have this vision that Daniel has of future kingdoms and what's happening in the world. And says uh, as he's explaining it, as the angel is explaining this vision to Daniel, he says in Daniel chapter two, verse 44, during the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. Okay, so that's the interpretation of what's of what's happening. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness and it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain though not with human hands, and it cru- that crushed to pieces the stature of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true and the meaning is certain. So in our future, Jesus is going to come and he's going to destroy all these earthly kingdoms as a big rock coming. And so this rock typifies Jesus in his kingdom, setting up his kingdom and his rule forever is great. Okay, so we have all these pictures of Jesus as the rock. All right, now we're going to turn our attention for just a moment to the church as the rock. So we're further developing this type to kind of a level right underneath, all right? This is exciting because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, he says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, you guys are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So you guys were all fellow citizens. That's the church, right? Citizens of the household of God, fellow citizens, members of heaven. I mean, that's, these are all descriptions of the church. Having been built on the foundation, have we, have we talked about that? Yeah, we talked about the foundation, right? Of Jesus being the cornerstone, right? Where he says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. So you have Jesus being the cornerstone, and then you have the rest of the foundation being the prophets and the apostles. Okay, so those are the people that God used in the world to bring his word to the world, right? And this is the church, is a picture of the church, even, even the people of Israel being used by the Lord. So it's describing the temple and the church, the temple of the living God. Okay, both things. 
The temple was a place people could come to hear the word, and the church is now the temple of the living God in the world today. Uh, Jesus is the chief cornerstone again. And look what it also says. It says he's also the capstone. Back in our text in Zechariah, we have the foundation being laid. And then we have, it says, the capstone is going to be put in place. So the foundation, the cornerstone, is the first thing to be laid in the temple. They're building the temple. The last thing to put in place is the capstone. The capstone is the very top okay, that holds everything together. And it's like, a, you know, it would be in, like these things up here. Okay, so if these things are way up there, the capstone would be the part in the very middle, the very top, that everything else leaned on. They would all lean on it. That's how the, the structure would, would, would function and would work. So in our text in Zechariah, says, He shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And we studied that last week. So this capstone is also a picture of Jesus being the beginning and the end. He's the beginning and the end. And isn't it crazy in the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible that kind of unravels the whole Bible, un, like explain, it explains the Bible, it, it ties everything together. Okay, look at the first thing Jesus says, the very first thing, you know what it is? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who was and is and is to come, the Almighty. That's Revelation 1.8. And then the last thing Jesus says in the book of Revelation, what do you think it is? In chapter 21, verse 6, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water to freely to drink of whoever thirsts. And then in chapter 22, verse 13, his very last words, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So check this out. The church is this building that started on Jesus and it finishes on Jesus. It's all focused on Jesus and it's all typified by this rock, this him as the beginning rock, him as the end rock, but the church is this building made of rock. And Jesus even talks about it in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And he's talking to Peter, and he says, I also I say to you that you are Peter, which is a, the, the word is little rock. And he says, and on this rock, which is a different Greek word, which means a bigger rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Okay, so you have Jesus as the big rock, Jesus as the the foundation stone, and the capstone, and everything in between is his church in the temple. That's as pictured as a temple made of rock. Paul says he was just a part of building the church. He was just a part of it. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, check this out. He says, for we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building, he says. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds upon it. But each one, let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So what this does, as we understand this type of the rock, it always points back to Jesus, right? Because whether you're looking at the foundation and what did God do in the past or you're looking to the future and what God's going to do in the future, it's all Jesus. We look back to what Jesus did on the cross. We look forward to him fixing everything. You know, that's exactly what communion's about, right? He says, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. That's how we span that is with communion. 
Okay, so we as the church, we are this rock. And Peter, another apostle, said in 1 Peter chapter 2, this is where it all kind of comes together. Okay, this is where Peter really nails it here. In chapter 2 he says, coming to him, who's him? Jesus. Coming to Jesus as to a living stone or rock. He's a living rock. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is contained in Scripture, and then he quotes these verses from Zechariah and the Psalm 118. He says, I behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Elect and precious, and he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, you who believe, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they were appointed, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who, are, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So the church is this rock house that's being built, and the rock is also the word. Okay? And, and so in this verse, he kind of transitioned for us what the next transition is. See, he said in there that they stumbled being disobedient to the what? To the word, to the word. Okay, so the church is this this chosen generation. This royal priesthood is being built up. It's amazing. It's wonderful, but it, it's all going to go back to the word. And this is where the meat of what we're going to be talking about tonight is. Okay, so all that was introduction. Believe it or not, this is this is where it gets crazy, and this is where I just am so blessed to to know this. Okay, in Matthew chapter seven. Jesus says, whoever hears these sayings of mine, what are the sayings of his? His word, right? His word. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a man who built his house on the rock. Oh, my goodness. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat that house, but it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock and so it was when jesus had ended these things that the people were astonished at his teaching for he's taught as one having authority and not as the scribes see jesus had the authority because he was the rock that he was telling the people to listen to he had the authority because he was saying this is me i'm talking about these are my words these things of mine are my words and people stumble at that word they don't believe it's Jesus himself that's speaking to them. People, you, you hear people say, you know, Jesus was a great guy, but, you know, I don't need to spend time reading the Bible. That's just the old book written by men. And it's so sad. They're missing the whole point. What I'm telling you guys tonight is the Bible is so amazing. So unbelievable that, like Kurt says, I've been in it nonstop and it's wonderful. That is our life. This is going to be our life. It is so vital to us to, to eat, breathe, drink any way you can consume this to consume it. 
Because this is Jesus' word himself. And it's, it's even deeper than that. It's even better than that. In 2 Peter 2.8, he said, It was a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumbled being disobedient to the word to which they were appointed. See, God appointed you and me and everyone in the world that this is how to get to know him. This is how it works. Through the word. There's no other way. And if people are disobedient to that, they're going to miss out on knowing God. They're not going to know God. And this, so Jesus is the living word and the Bible is the written word, but they are both the word and they are one in the same thing. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. And I don't know how to say that any more clearly or any other way, but this is Jesus. And I can prove it to you. Okay? John 15 You guys know John 15, right? John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. You guys have memorized it. Well, look at what it says. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. So you guys understand that. You're like, yeah, we need Jesus. We need to connect with Jesus. Great. And they gather them and throw them in the fire and they're burned. Verse 7, and if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Jesus values his word exactly the same as himself. His own flesh, his own body, his own anything. This is exactly the same in Jesus' estimation as being in the room with him. Exactly the same. And get this, okay? Psalm 138.2 says... I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your your word above your name. You have magnified. That means God considers his word more valuable than even his name. This is so valuable to him that he values it above his own reputation, above anything. He said, I will... I don't care what people think about me as long as I have my word that I can tell, communicate to you, that I can tell you. Okay, now get this. Jesus is the word that God magnifies above his name. What does John 1, 1 say? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him is life, and that light is, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And he goes on down to verse 14, and he says, And that word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, then what happened? The whole book of John happened, right? He dwelt among us, and then he died, and he was taken away. And then the Lord gave us this. This, the Bible, which is his word. So back in our text in Zechariah, there's one more picture of a stone. We've looked at the foundation that it talked about. We've looked at the capstone that it talked about. Now there's this other weird stone that has seven eyes. All right. And a plumb line. Okay, so he says, I rejoice to see this plumb line, which is this rock of division. All right. Just like in Revelation 5. 
One of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, there was four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, and it had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the whole earth. Okay, so it's telling us, Jesus we know is the lamb, right? He has seven horns and seven eyes in this, in this vision. So the seven eyes, it tells us, are the seven spirits of God sent out to the whole world. So it's basically a description of the Holy Spirit that works in, in these seven different ways. And if you look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it describes those seven, uh, sevenfold working of the Holy Spirit. It's like a spirit of wisdom, understanding, prudence, truth. I mean, there's, there's all these different descriptions there. But, so the Word of God is filled with the Spirit of Jesus. So if you have this rock that we see in Zechariah. It's got seven eyes, all right? You got, it's a picture of the word of God. It means it's filled with, those seven eyes were given the translation in Revelation that they are the spirit, the spirit. So the word of God, this thing that you're holding in front of you is like a rock and the Bible says it's like it has seven eyes, which means it has the Holy Spirit's fullness inside it. It's full of the Holy Spirit that God distributes his spirit through it. Another way that you can translate that Hebrew word of the eyes is also facets. Okay, so on a diamond, which is a rock, right? They, what do they do? They, they put facets on it, and what does that do? It causes you to see something just a little bit different, okay? Which is exactly what the word of God does. Okay? And that, powered by the Spirit, the Word of God can let us see the Lord in just different ways. And it's got these seven different spirits that help. Okay, so this is crazy how it gets even deeper. Okay, So plumb line literally means rock of division, which is amazing because 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. So, also, there are seven, do you know there are seven divisions of the Word of God? You have the Torah, the first five books, you have Old Testament history, then you have books of wisdom, then you have the major prophets, minor prophets, New Testament history, and epistles. Seven divisions of the Word of God, just like the seven eyes, just like the seven facets. This is amazing. So, when we combine this study with last week's study, you see this image, and you had these two olive trees. I'm going to kind of tell you again the the image that he saw in this vision. The two olive trees, which speak of the Old Testament and the New Testament, dripping their oil into a bowl. Okay, So their Holy Spirit-inspired wisdom the Holy Spirit, being dripped into this bowl. And the word for bowl in Hebrew is the same as the word revealer. Okay? So this bowl, this revealer, has seven pipes that go down to the seven branches of the lampstand. And these seven pipes speak of the seven divisions of the Word of God. And these seven divisions of the Word of God each go to the, to the right place to reveal the Word of God, the, God's Spirit, 
to us, to provide his Holy Spirit to us in just the right way in each of the different divisions of the Word of God. See, the Word of God is Spirit-inspired. Even the way they divided it is Spirit-inspired. Even the way that they put it together, it's Spirit-distributed and it's perfect. And you are filled up in your lampstand when you read this book. You are filled up. Don't ever stop. Read it. Listen to it. Treat it like it's Jesus himself at your bedside and in your hand in the morning and all day long. Don't ever get away from this. Read Psalm 119. It will blow your mind at how much the Lord... You, that chapter in the Bible is unbelievable. It's a treasure, and it teaches us about the value of the Word of God. So you guys really want your minds to be blown? Are you ready, or you want me to stop? Bring it? Oh. So, this is going to blow your mind. There's 22 Hebrew letters, right? Okay, there's 22 Hebrew letters. I don't know if it, you guys don't know. In, in Psalm 119, in Psalm 119, each section of the psalm, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, okay, it's real long, but each sec- it's because each section, there's 22 sections, and each one is a, a Hebrew letter of the Bible, and so it has a, a purpose. Each of those letters, each, each of the sentences starts with that letter. Did you know that? In Hebrew? If you were reading Psalm 119, every verse starts with that letter. And each of those sections has a theme. This is crazy. How many books of the Bible are there? There's 66, Okay. What's 22 times 3? 66. Okay. So there's this, there's a trinity. There's three. There's a trinity. You have 22 books. You have 66 books. Man, it is crazy. If you start with Genesis and the first letter and you go around 20, 22 books and go to the next book, it'll be uh, Job. And then you go to the next one, it'll be Acts. You get, it, it lines up with the theme of those books and that letter from Psalm 119 is unbelievable. Yeah. And it works on every single letter and if you make a big circle, it's crazy. It's crazy. But, you know, these are things you can go so in-depth with and people have discovered these, these parallels and these unbelievable things in the Word of God. But what does it all show us? Okay. You don't want to waste your time with the math of it, but... It's the, the God of it. You know, it's, it's divinely, supernaturally inspired by this. And what does he tell you to do? He tells you to consume it. Eat it like bread. And, and don't ever stop. Man, can we do that? Can we just commit to being people of the word of God? Because that's what will make you powerful in the, in the Lord's kingdom. It's what, will, it's what will change your life. Is just abide in this Never put this down. Take it with you everywhere. Got it? All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you um, for your word, God, that, uh, that is so amazing on so many levels. Lord God, it's a rock for us. Lord, you are the rock. Lord, your church is the rock and your word is the rock, Lord God. And uh, Lord, we will forever, Lord, be in awe of how... Uh, you, you take us deeper always to understand more about you, Lord. And so, God, we ask 
for a special blessing, a special filling. Lord God, I pray that we would be people of your word. That even if we don't understand it, God, we would still read, we would still uh, be amazed, and we would still trust, Lord God, that this is you. This is perfectly your revelation given to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.